0: Thank you so much, all those who are working with Awana, and that's my chance to publicly say thank you to all those who work so hard with Vacation Bible School. What a blessing! I have over hundred kids here every night, and and uh, so many of you, especially Sandy and Debbie, and all those who headed it up. Thank you so much for that. Um, what an incredible ministry uh, that is to us, and. Um, to our children, and I'm looking forward to Awana this year, and following up and continuing to help them. Um, one of the great aspects of Awana is its focus on God's Word and memorizing God's Word, and um, that's why we on Sunday mornings gather around God's Word because we're deeply convinced of something. It's life changing. It's the way God speaks to us, um, and when we open it, we dare not open it as a textbook, or I've heard that before. No, these are God's words to us, and so. We want to hear them. We want to know, God, what is it you're trying to say to us? And so that's what we want to do this morning and every morning. But uh, I want to read a passage, then we're going to pray. It's from James chapter 1, verse 2-4. through 4. I'm going to read the New International Version. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith Produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be sure and complete, not lacking anything. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word this morning, we we need to confess we need your word. We know it nourishes us spiritually. Spiritually. God, whether we've been a Christian for an hour or 50 years, our need remains the same. We need to hear from you. And we don't do so good on that on our own. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just give us those spiritual ears to hear in these moments. And Lord, might the end result of our time around your word be that we're drawn closer to you. And that we hear your heartbeat in a new way, in a fresh way. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are all on a journey. Matter of fact, the text implies this word perseverance. Perseverance has this idea of, of working through, of enduring, of continuing in something. And in our case, the moment you were born, you began a journey. We all began a journey. Our journeys are different. For one, we're all at different ages. We're not all the same. If we were all 35 years old right here, sitting in here, some of us would be happy, some would be bummed. Um, but we could all say, you know what? We pretty much have the same journey, but we don't. The body of Christ is made up of the beautiful variety of ages and experiences, and we're all on a journey. The thing I've discovered the longer I journey um, is that fewer and fewer that I come in contact with know how to journey well. Oh, they know how to kind of maybe try to run away from the bad things and, or, or just kind of try to hopefully get through it. But they haven't learned to journey well. How do we journey well? Well, for one, I'm not talking about journeying in a life of mediocrity. You're not called to a life of mediocrity. We're not called to the status quo. We're not called to wake up, hit the alarm clock, and work from 8 to 6 every day only to come home and say, thank God, it's Saturday. I can work around the house and have every week and every day be the same thing. The status quo. Mediocrity. God hasn't called us to that. That's not what our journey is supposed to be. We're called to journey well. How do we do that? Well, I'm not interested in journeying poorly, and I'm not interested in just business as usual and uh, living a life of mediocrity. Um, that doesn't interest me, and I trust it doesn't interest you. So how do we journey well? Well, for one, we need to be very much aware of what James is saying is there are surprises in the journey. You might remember this. I remember growing up as a boy, we'd be watching television, and, 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 and it could be anything, We'd be watching and, and we're, we're into it and everything like that. All of a sudden, there's this interruption in the programming with this announcement that the station was now having a test of the emergency broadcasting system. Some of you are smiling. And you know what would come next, didn't you? <laughs> okay, yuck. First of all, I mean, right in the middle of programming, you get this annoying sound. And this, for whatever reason, they decided at that moment to interrupt the programming. I hated those tests. They came out of nowhere. They seemed to come at the worst time, like the cliffhanger in the show, or the Cubs up, full count, bases loaded. They decide to th- shoot this thing in there right now. They came at the worst times. I hated it. They just broke in, you, and you and you couldn't avoid it. It's not like you could say, "Hey, hold it! Could you could just do it another time." It didn't matter. And his surprises in life are like that. They often come with no warning. Just an announcement, all of a sudden, boom, this is a test. Surprise. You can't avoid them. And they're annoying, let's be honest. Let's call them what they are. You see, there's nothing to warn you often when it's layoff time or when your car breaks down. You have no money to fix it. There's no warning when the doctor's report comes back. It's a bad report. There's no warning warning necessarily when you discover your child is in a situation you didn't know about. There's no warning. Life's surprises and trials are like that. And even if we kind of suspect the trial's coming, the reality is it's a surprise because we really don't know the intensity and the degree to it oftentimes. So I use trials and surprises synonymously in that way. Because even if we're assuming or kind of predicting a trial, there's still so much about the trial that surprises us. In James 1, 2 through 4, he says, consider it. He uses the word consider. I've considered surprises and trials, and there's some convictions I've come to. One is a deep conviction for me personally is my desire is to live with an enduring joy. Again, not just to get through it, but to endure with a deep abiding joy and a purpose and passion. Because God hasn't called us just to survive them, but to believe it or not, thrive in them. He hasn't called us just to get through it. Sorry. But to be able to, in the midst of it, learn, grow, and even have a greater role in ministering to people. That's his desire. We're called to endure the race set before us joyfully, and to some this sounds like a complete contradiction. What do you mean endure and joy? They don't belong in the same sentence. And James isn't saying that it's all happy and we're giddy, like, oh, great, I'm having a real thing. Ah, sweet. He's saying, no, consider it joy, consider it. Because there's something else happening than on the surface of it. And enduring joy is not referring to happiness. James Montgomery Boyce explains that happiness and joy are very different. Here's what he says. What is joy? Joy is a supernatural delight in God and God's goodness. And it is a very different thing from happiness. Happiness is our translation of the Latin word fortuna and is closely related to Chance. Thus, if things work out in a way which we approve, we're happy. If they do not so happen, we're unhappy. Happiness is circumstantial, but not joy. Joy is an inner quality of delight in God or gladness and is meant to spring up within the Christian in a way totally unrelated to the adversaries or circumstantial blessings of this life. He's hitting it on head. Joy is confidence. In God and his goodness. Joy is confidence in God's leading. That God knows what he's doing. Even in the trials and surprises of life. Few consider how they're going to journey well when those trials and surprises come on the front end. In the case of James 1, 2 through 4, the context of the letter of James is written to the 12 tribes who were scattered or dispersed abroad. These are people who were uprooted, Persecuted, they face adversity, confusion, anguish, probably separated from loved ones, probably lonely. Many of this group face great pain. And so when James writes to them, he's not writing to people who, who are having a sunny life here. Life's difficult for them. They're facing many trials. And yet he says to them, consider it all joy. What do we consider? Well, we need to consider a couple things. One is the reality of surprises. They're inevitable. It's not if, but when. And the reality is seldom in life are we free from troubles. Jesus even said in John 16, in this world, you're going to have trouble. One of Job's friends said in Job 5, 7, man's born for trouble as sparks fly upward. In other words, as long as we live in this fallen world, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be trials. Don't be surprised. Peter says that. Don't be surprised, brothers, when you face persecution in some of these things. Let's be honest. We are. (laughs) As much as you say, don't be surprised, we are. We're taken back when things uh, occur. I mean, imagine being at the height of one of the greatest moments you can experience in life. Okay, the height. Think of some of the greatest moments in your life, and think of being in that height, and then moments later, ready to up and leave everything. What would bring you from that height to seemingly that low? Well, in our life, and Cindy and I, it was the birth of Benjamin. Up here, I mean, so excited. Angela and now Benjamin. Cindy got to hold Benjamin, and then they took Benjamin away and clean him up and do what nurses do. And it wasn't that long later that a doctor came back and said, "There's some problems with Ben's heart. And, and we need to take him by helicopter. The height, birth of a son. Next minute, he's got a problem with his heart, and it's serious enough. We got to get him out of the helicopter. And after chasing him down, he got flown one place, and they took him to Children's Hospital, in Milwaukee. And my wife—I mean, good—she just gave birth, and she's going home that night, so we could get in a car early in the morning, drive down, and find Ben. And so, tough woman, married well, I'm telling you. So, anyways, we drive. Down. Our friends drive us down early that morning, and and they're trying to keep keep Ben let him get as strong as he possibly can, and then five days old, they decide they're going to do open-heart surgery now. You're up here, and all of a sudden, five days later, you're looking at your son, they're going to wheel him on, and he's either going to come out alive or dead. That's it. That's the choice. That's what's going to happen to this little guy. And when we were at the hospital originally, with tears, of course, you're surprised, and they said, hey, before we fly Ben, the second time we saw Ben, he was in a big bubble, Oxygen bubble, and they're like, Here, let us take your picture. Really? You know, and we kind of had an idea why. It's not the funnest thing to think about. But, so there we are with red eyes and, and little bends in a bubble. And, and that was, Here, smile. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not going to smile. I can't smile right now. This stinks. I don't want to be here in this scenario. Was surprise. In just a moment, everything changed. That's what surprises are like. Out of nowhere, the layoff slip, the doctor's report, the child coming to you and say, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. It could be so many different things. In one moment, everything seems just right. No, it's not. I think of my son, he just turned 18. So when I tell that story, I'm just so grateful. But there's three times that I remember walking with Ben into surgery, and, and each time it just rip your heart out when you gotta look at him, kiss him, and say, I love you, and hope to God he's gonna make it out. Three times. Now, I got a feeling if you talk to Ben about how do you face death, <laughs> he probably would have some answers about how he did it. And that's his story. But from a dad's perspective, heart wrenching moments. He just had a good report the other day, so we're grateful for that. And um, those are hard surprises. And they come. And how do we handle them? What do we do? Well, I'm convinced only a high view of God will sustain you. God's been good to us. God's been good to our family. And I recognize only God could have sustained us like he did. Because listen, he is sovereign and he's all wise and he ordains. And if he's not, that's the worst news ever. Because if he's not, those things our whole future's in jeopardy. But he is sovereign. He is wide and wise, and he's good beyond measure. And when we grow in the knowledge of God and grow in our in the view of Him as being majestic and big and high and lifted up, and as we sang that song, "You are faithful." When we keep that in mind, we can journey well, even in the surprises. We have faced some in the last five years a unique journey. It's not mine alone. Cindy and my children have gone through this. And, and I've considered some of these surprises. James says consider it, so I've considered it. I've taken his encouragement and considered some things. And uh, over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to journey well. How do you and I journey well in our life, especially when the surprises come up? But overall, how do we live a life in which we get through it and we we live with passion and we live with purpose? We love well. We live well. And we leave a legacy. How do we do that? How are we going to journey well? That's what this series really is about, a journey to an enduring joy, that we have a deep-seated abiding joy no matter what we face in life. How do we do that? Well, I know when I share my journey, I only know one way to do it, honestly. I'm not a facade type of guy. I really like as much as I can, to be honest. Now, I'll be honest. As a pastor, I'm supposed to have it together, okay? I know that's, that's the rule. Pastors are supposed to have it together. And so when you say, good morning, pastor, how are you? I'm supposed to say, right, what would you say? Fine, right? We're all fine. Things are all good, but they're not, right? We need to learn to say that honestly, and we need to learn as a body of Christ to say, we don't want to be a body that's just nice. We want to be real. That's That's my dream, is to have a church that's real, that's authentic to the core. Like I told somebody earlier, I want a church to be a part of a church that's messy, that's it's okay to come and have a messed up life and say, I'm safe here. This is a good place to be. It's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And I know to be that part, I need to tell my journey honestly and to be honest. And so I'm gonna. And uh, I might get asked to leave afterwards, but not just again. 2012 it was. Cindy's my date person, so if I'm off, she'll... Correct me. Um, I'd been having some infections in my life, or, or at that time, and some, some became quite severe. And so we'd gone to the doctors. we, oh, we got to figure out what's going on here. And uh, through tests and, and a couple years. And finally, the, the doctor appointment we had, he said, you know what? Here, here's what's going on. you got leukemia. All I knew about the word leukemia, I didn't know how to spell it. I just knew it was bad. It wasn't a fun word. It wasn't a good word. Um, of course, we had to find out a little bit more what it was. Um, but it, it's affected me even to this day. I mean, I'm not supposed to go into hospitals. I'm not supposed to go into nursing homes. I'm supposed to stay out of those places, uh, and history has shown when I go there, I usually come out and get sick, um, and so the leukemia still affects me to this day, but, but leukemia, I, I infections, okay, leukemia is a little different discussion, and so we had to deal with that one. In April 2015, began to have some symptoms. And my doctor said, I'm not terribly concerned, but we should probably follow up with some tests. And the diagnosis, colorectal cancer. You guys, a lot of you have been through this process with me. Um, And as we tried to come to grips with that, uh, the discussion moved to treatment. And uh, there would be need to be radiation, chemo treatments, and then surgery. Some of you have gone through this, and you're you're like, oh, I, I get it, I know what you're going through. Um, the consequences of the surgery would be, would be to a degree affect my quality of life. Thank God we got a second opinion or really would have um, been worse yet. Um, so I still face that a little bit and a reminder regularly of um, some of the consequences of our surprise and trials. But how do we handle them? What do we do with the surprises in our life? Well, again, first of all, we need to be prepared before they come by having a big view of God. But there's some things, some passages of Scripture that jumped out at me and have become even increasingly more important to me. And that, and, and that's one of the reasons we stay in the Word. Because if we're not in the Scriptures, when these surprises come, we lose perspective very quickly. And we don't have an ear to heaven and let God speak into them. There's a couple verses that have really helped. I've shared these with some of you. From Psalm 119, 67, The psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, i.e., after the affliction, I keep your word. Thou art good, and you do good. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 71, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It was good for me, the psalmist said. How hard is that to say? It was good for me to face what I did. And the reason it was good for me, the psalmist said, is because I learned your ways. By implication, I might not have learned those ways if I wasn't afflicted. And so the treasure, the psalmist says, I got a treasure on the other side of the affliction. Without the affliction, I didn't get the treasure of what I learned about you, God. And I began to think, could it be that God was going to use these things in my life to bring me to a different place and to show me things I didn't really know or grasp before. I believed he would, and he was. And God used these passages to give me a real real perspective on what was going on, to strengthen and develop me. May 2017, Cindy, at had a regular doctor checkup. He's looking at the counts to make sure the medication's keeping the leukemia under control. And and we're kind of planning our day and what we're going to do. And matter of fact, we're so laid back. (laughs) Cindy's reading a magazine and uh, we're just chilling, ready to get going for lunch probably. And so all of a sudden the doctor looks at Cindy and says, "Um, you might want to set that magazine down. I need you to listen to me. I'm like, oh. Okay. And we found a, a pretty good spot on your left lung. The cancer's metastasized, and we need to do surgery. I'm surprised. You <laughs> didn't see that one coming. We thought we were done with this, and here it showed up again. The questions returned. Life slowed down. Now what? After surgery, as I was recovering um, Cindy shared this was here when she was probably at their scariest point. I kind of became dizzy, dizzier than normal, right? Um, disoriented, um, kind of became pale a little bit, and, uh, and they weren't quite sure. But Cindy noticed there was blood under me, and I was beginning, I don't know, to bleed a lot of blood, bleed out. They hadn't noticed. Nurses hadn't noticed. And, um, and so that got kind of scary, and that's kind of when Cindy said it was her scariest point, um, but thank God we, we got through that. Um, I got home, and uh, the pain never subsided. And a matter of fact, it got, seemed like it got worse and worse. And, and uh, I began to get a fever, had to go in the ER. And uh, they did an x-ray, and they didn't like what they saw. They sent it to Mayo. Mayo said, yeah, that's a lot of fluid. We got problems. Get them down here in ambulance. So in the middle of the night, took you an ambulance down there, and they're trying to figure out all that's going on. And, and uh, I got to tell you something. When they trained that fluid, which was a lot of it, by the way, like a big, big thing of it came out of there. Instant relief. That's one of the best feelings of my whole life. I gotta be honest. Oh, I felt so good. Drain more, you know, that type of thing. So, but each of those things, just when we thought we were through it, there was something more. Another trial, another challenge, another surprise. And it seems to be what life is like. Surprise, you just get through that, feel like you got your solid footing, right? Something else happens. And you relate. Your surprises and challenges are different. But they're there and they're real. And they stretch us. And they pull us in places that we don't want to go. But I'm here to tell you that God is at work in your surprises and your trials. And James 1 gives us some really, really good principles, especially as we face upheavals in life that we didn't expect. One is he says there's variety of surprises. He uses the word in James 1. Various. There's great variety. These guys are going to cook. They, they, it's not, they don't like my sermon. Okay, just so you know. Variety of surprises. There's multicolored is another use of the word. There's the color called emotional, that which plagues the mind and the heart. It might be a past event, discouragement, depression, or rejection. There's the color of the trial called financial. Might be the end of a job, an unexpected vehicle breakdown, which seems to be our thorn in the flesh. Health insurance, skyrocketing costs. It's a color called financial. There's a color called the physical trial, the report from the doctor. Your body's wearing down. All those different things that challenge you. Trials and surprises come in a variety of ways. And what you and I went through in 2004 might not be the same thing we go through ever again. But if you add to that the inevitability and the variety, the truth is you and I may never know when and why they come. Because there's a variety, a multicolored type of trials, James says. Then there's the reason for the trials. These couple verses in James talk about. You see, our surprises are senseless, Our trials are meaningless, our tests are irrational unless there's a good purpose for them. James says there is. James says it's important for you to know that the testing of your faith is going to produce something. It's going to produce endurance, perseverance. And endurance is that type of strength that has staying power. This type is developed in the storms and the surprises of life. The word for endurance is also translated perseverance. It literally means to abide under. You see, storms come, tests rain down harder and harder potentially. And when they do, God's developing something in you. He's developing endurance, which allows you to abide under pressure, is what the word actually means. God allows the trial to to get to you for a purpose. The roots grow deep when the wind is strong, somebody once said. God produces endurance in the trials. Job 23.10 says it this way, But he knows the way I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. 2 Corinthians 4.17, the promises for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Romans 5, 3-4, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. We will only see our troubles as light and momentary if we have a big view of God. If we have a big view of God's purposes and that he doesn't waste anything. God doesn't want to waste your trials. He doesn't want you to waste them. He wants you to learn from him and grow from him and position you to minister to other people. And hope is knowing that God is doing something even when it doesn't seem like God is doing something. And I think the biggest mercies you and I can experience are to learn about the greatness, the wisdom, and the ways of God. That when we are hit with surprises in our lives, we draw upon them. Let's be honest, our prayers sometimes beg for an absence of trials. We don't want them. We don't want our children to go through them. We don't want them. And yet God's word promises on the other side of them at times is a treasure you would never experience any other way. So the decision you and I need to say, are we going to journey well to the point that when these surprises and treasures come, we'll consider them joy? Knowing on the other end of them is treasure. Learning his ways. Growing in stability and endurance. And so, James uses the three three verbs. Consider, evaluate it as joy, see it in a different light than you may instinctively see it in. It's not being joyful in, but to consider it joy because you know God's in it, which is the most important thing. You see, if you don't consider it joy, you'll become bitter, disillusioned. Fearful, and many other unhealthy things. Anxiety will begin to take over. And this joy is a decision of the will. And this joy needs to precede the trial. If you don't have a joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ when those trials come, it's going to be awful tough to all of a sudden conjure it up. That joy that Peter speaks of, that joy that's inexpressible and full of glory that that comes from relationship with Christ, is where it all starts. It all starts in knowing him. But you and I can, in the moment of those trials, say, God, I know you're at work here. I trust you. I believe in you. I know you're going to work things out. James goes on to say, hey, the reason we struggle with trials is we lack wisdom and we lack faith. Wisdom because we don't have this whole thing pictured. We don't see the whole picture. We lack wisdom. And God says, you lack wisdom, and you know what? Why don't you ask me for it? and I'll give you some wisdom. Ask me, and I'll, I'll help you understand in a little greater way, not the whole picture, but a little greater way of what's going on. We lack wisdom, but we also lack faith. God says, and here he says, you know what? There's some double-minded people. They're very unstable. See, faith says yes. Unbelief says no, but doubt says yes and no. He says yes in one moment. God, I surrendered all to you, but then the next day I don't see you bringing things quick enough through I'll take it from here. God says, I don't play that game. I don't play the game of double-mindedness because the man who's double-minded is unstable. He's not journeying well. And you lack faith. So ask me. Ask me for wisdom. Ask me for the faith to believe and the trust to journey well through this. And God says, I'll give it to you. And then he gives a promise in verse 12. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The child of God who seeks God's wisdom, who trusts God throughout the surprises and trials, will be blessed. And in the long run, God will make us happy in a whole new way. We'll be able to live and help people in a whole new way. All because we cooperated with God in the trials and allowed him to work out his purposes. The surprise and the trials, they'll come. But it's essential to journey with joy that we face them head on. Journeying well means we recognize in the trials that God is up to something. So don't waste your trials. I appreciate these words of Paul Tripp. When you scan the biblical story, you can't help concluding that following God brings a life of surprises. Whatever plans God's people made and however they tried to figure out God's plans, they were constantly greeted with surprises. They faced turns in the story that they never would have anticipated. God's plan again and again included things that would not have been included in the story of if his people had been doing the planning. One of the reasons for this is that we as human beings tend to focus on outcomes. We simply want things to go well, to turn out right. God surely does care about the ending of all things, but he is graciously at work in the process as well. And the surprises along the way are God's surprises, because he's never caught off guard or unprepared. He calls us to follow him beyond the boundaries of our wisdom, strength, and character. And the waiting we have to do and the surprises that we face are meant by him to be tools of grace. They're designed to release us from our self-reliance and the hold our dreams for our lives can have on us. And he concludes by saying, in those moments of surprise, it's important to remember that you may be confused, but God isn't. And in this moment when you are not sure what's going on, you haven't been abandoned. No The opposite is true. You're being rescued. But living this way is really hard for us. Indeed, isn't it? How do we journey well in the surprises of life? I'm reminding myself often, try to remind others, we forget this. We got one shot at this life. One. We got one shot at this journey through life. There's no do-overs. One shot. Are you going to journey well? And it's not something all of a sudden you decide in the middle of the week. You need to get up every morning and say, God, by your grace, I want to live well today. I want to love well today. Do you want to journey well? That's the question. Do you want to live with passion, purpose? Do you want to love well? Do you want to live well? That's the question. It's a question on a table we all face every day. And there's some lessons from this that help you and I to do that. Some of these aren't like rocket science, but when the trials and surprises come, it's pretty easy to set them aside. One is walk closely with God. Pay attention to what he's teaching you. I've journalized in my Christian walk for years, and I've Recently, not long for a season here, I'll talk about the book later, but have been rereading my journals, and as I start to put pieces together, I began to look at what he spoke to me about before each of these trials. I didn't know the trial was coming, but I did be able to look back and say, oh, that's what you were preparing me for. Don't forget what God's teaching you. Write it down. Somehow. Keep track of what he's teaching you. So when the trials come, you'll understand a little bit better. So walk closely with God. This will help prepare you. Develop a view of the bigness of God. I don't know how many years Jay's been a Christian, but did you catch what he said? How beautiful the sun was this morning. We take it for granted. But we serve a God who said, son, show up, and it showed up. Try that one. We need to continue to develop a view of the bigness of God. Read about other Christians and seeing the miraculous things God's doing in people's lives. Read the Bible and note the mighty acts of God. Develop a view of the bigness of God. And three, maximize your moments. Because life is really a succession of moments and if you just look at your trials and only your surprises, you miss moments. You miss moment after moment. And I know you might be in the midst of a huge, difficult, heart-wrenching moment. It's difficult to get through, I understand. But don't miss the moments because you just focus exclusively on that. Seek to make the most out of each moment, and when you do that, you'll journey well. The rest of this series, we're going to break down into smaller bites and applications of how to journey well and to endure it with joy. The choice we all need to make, am I committed to journey well? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. As we look around, we recognize we don't journey alone. But we sit, serve, walk, pray, sing, shoulder to shoulder with other journeyers. And Lord, I say that because I'm glad as we go through this series, we get to do it together. Because the reality is maybe it's all The start of for some of us is we just acknowledge we haven't always done it well. and, And even now, some of us might be at places that we just never thought we would be at. And so, God, my prayer is that you would find us in a place of honesty, authenticity, where we would journey honestly with you. Lord, in these coming weeks, develop in us this very thing James talked about. Endurance. That confidence and deep abiding joy and peace that you are in complete control, that you are sovereign, and that you are good. And Lord, our song every day would be you are faithful. So faithful. And all your promises are yes and amen. It's your name, Jesus, I pray.